Thank you for listening to this edition of CDM Media's Solution Spotlight. I'm your host, J.D. Miller, and we have a great podcast for you today. Joining us is Derek Granath, Vice President, Product and Technical Marketing at Silverpeak, and Bill Lapp, Solution Architecture Global Leader, Zscaler, for the first in a three-part series. Today, we'll be tackling the future of WAN and cloud transformation. Silverpeak, the global SD-WAN leader, delivers the transformational promise of the cloud. The Silverpeak Unity Edge Connect self-driving wide area network platform liberates enterprises from conventional WAN approaches to transform the network to a business accelerant for countries around the globe. Zscaler enables organizations to securely transform their networks and applications for a mobile and cloud-first world. Zscaler services create fast, secure connections without costly appliances. Joining us today, is Bill and Derek. Thank you for joining us, guys. Thank you. In today's episode, we want to address the challenges of ensuring a high-quality user experience that ultimately translates into business productivity in a work-from-anywhere world. So to, to begin to answer this challenge, we got to find out about the drivers we're seeing in the market right now. And, and, and Bill, you know, apps are moving to the cloud, but customers may not be realizing all the benefits they intended to achieve. Why is that? You know, I think a lot of it is because we're only halfway there, or we're trying to still solve a lot of today's problems with the ways we used to do things before. So customers have migrated a lot of apps to the cloud. They've started to leverage more SaaS applications, but for some reason they're finding they aren't retiring their old IT spend. They're just adding more to it. We're finding that, you know, the experience for some reason seems slower and the whole promise of you know, all of your users being able to operate anywhere on the cloud isn't able to happen. And I think a lot of it comes down to the plumbing, so to speak. So like Derek, for example, you on the networking side, you see a fair amount about the traffic patterns behind this. Why might those investments not be good? Well, let, let's look at uh, traditional WAN architectures. And you know, if we go back seven years, 10 years, um, all of the apps resided, they were all hosted in the corporate data center, right? And users in branch locations and, you know, something like 80% of businesses transacted from branch locations to access their applications, all of that user traffic would be backhauled back to the corporate data center, right? And that, we did that with traditional routers using TCP IP addresses. But, you know, fast forward to today and analysts vary in their, their estimates, but something around 70% of apps and workloads are now in the cloud. And backhauling all of that traffic to the data center and then shunting it off to the cloud over the internet, getting the response back, back to the user at the branch headquarters, it just doesn't make sense. And that is causing IT and networking professionals to rethink wide area networking architecture for the first time in something like 20 years when MPLS was um, invented. And uh, that's why we're seeing this very, very rapid adoption of this thing we call SD-WAN or software defined wide area networking. But what about the data center? What about the users? Well, so there's still, you know, we said something like 70% of apps are in the cloud. And of course it varies company by company, but that means 30% are still in the data center. So what we need is we need a new architecture that can recognize an app that's sitting in the data center and still backhaul that traffic from the branch or from the user at Starbucks or wherever they're working from back to the data center. 
but we also want to be able to recognize applications that are hosted in the cloud and either send them directly to the cloud or I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but to a security service um, first for some advanced security inspection before sending them to that cloud app. I mean, everyone should have some examples of cloud apps in your mind, right? Things like Office 365, Box, Dropbox, even Facebook and LinkedIn, Netflix, YouTube, et cetera. So would it be fair to say then, you know, to give an example, I'm on say one side of the street with my building or my branch and maybe across the street would be like Office 365. But the reason why I'm not getting the benefit of being able to just go right to Office 365 is I'm still jumping in my car, driving down the street, getting on the highway, driving around on the highway, then getting back off the exit just across the street and get to the other side. If we extend that a little bit more, let's say, um, you know, I'm, I'm here near San Jose, California, and let's say my company headquarters happens to be in Chicago. If I, and I have an Office 365 instance, you know, right around the corner um, at, at Equinix data center that's down the road. <clears throat> if I have to first back call to Chicago, the round trip delay because of distance is something like 80 milliseconds, and that stacks up. No one has figured out how to um, uh, bypass the speed of light, right? So those latencies or delays caused by distance, whenever I have that added latency, it negatively impacts the app performance. So what we like to say at Silver Peak is, why not use the internet to access apps that are sitting on the internet? Right, so it's like rather than go in some MPLS or private network, you know, might be more SLAs, but it's a lot quicker just to cross the street to your app that's right next to you then drive all the way from San Jose to Chicago and back just to get to your app. Now, that sounds great for say SaaS type apps, right? Where I'm just accessing a web page or I'm using salesforce.com or something like that. But traditionally, and I, I spent 10 years of my career in the, the voice over IP and contact center business, what about those different types of traffic patterns? Something beyond just accessing web pages. Doesn't that have an impact when running over the internet? And I thought that was one of the main reasons why everyone thought they had to have a private network. Yeah, so, so um, Bill, when, when we start using the internet, and, and you of course know this as well as anybody, there's a couple things, um, you know, a couple big challenges that, that uh, enterprises need to wrestle with. One, the internet is not nearly as predictable and nearly as reliable as a lease line service like MPLS. And two, um, it's not nearly as secure as a private lease line connection. So we need technologies that can overcome uh, those challenges, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, when you start to think of how we've always done networks in the past, I mean, I, I think back to when we used to have landlines in our houses and everyone loved their landline. It was a copper telephone line and the power went out, your landline still worked, but you know, over time we all shifted to mobile phones and we all shifted to smartphones and database phones, et cetera. But a big part of that was the business value you get on top of it, the freedom of mobility. Your phone number can't just reach you at your house, a phone number can reach you anywhere. And I think that really is the promise of the cloud. But just like we had to move away from modems, we really have to move away from this concept of a shared private owned network. But one of the other things that have held us back is today from a security perspective, everyone has to have all these different security devices to try to catch your traffic. So I'm running around and I'm, I'm installing a, 
a router at your house and then I install a, a router security device at the branch and I'm doing it at the HQ and then security teams have this concept of, um, you know, I have on network and off network and mobile users and I treat my phones differently. So right now this whole concept of security and defensive depth is more like sell a bunch of point solutions and point products and stick them everywhere and hope you catch everything. And it's just, the amount of complexity is is crazy, right? So today, you know, the approach had been, well, I can't go directly to my applications on the internet because I have to go through all my security stuff, which is back at the data center. So again, the question becomes, what is the one place where you know you can capture all of the traffic and secure everything from your users? Because you can't put it on the device, you can't put it in the location because stuff's gonna come to you from anywhere. So the only place where all the traffic goes through on the way to the internet is the internet. And so that's really where you need a service that can capture traffic, no matter if it's coming from an individual user or a branch or an HQ or an unknown device of any kind, you have to basically have something in the internet that does that consistently, no matter where it's coming from or what it is coming from. And when you have a service like that, it allows you to be much more flexible and take advantage of things that you have around advances in network routing and how you pass your traffic and latency, et cetera. Yeah, and, and of course with you know, users and workers accessing applications um, you know, over mobile devices and, and now given the current COVID-19 situation, more and more workers working from home um, yeah, they want to access apps from anywhere, from everywhere, from any device. And let's not forget about the uh, proliferation of IoT devices that compounds the security challenge. And so you're right, the internet is where it's all at. Bill, how do we address that? Yeah, I mean, we'll also just think of a traffic problem like you were talking about before. You know, if you have a certain ISP link from your locations, you know, a corporate ISP link at an HQ might be one gig or five gig. It's very rare to see something bigger. Well, at my house, I pay $89 for gigabit connection. At a lot of branch offices, you can buy a couple of different internet connections, all ranging from 100 megabit to a gigabit. So right now what happens is you have something like, you know, COVID where we're all working from home. And how are you taking all this massive amounts of data? The way it works today, we're having to go and backhaul all that through the HQ. And networks were never built to do that, especially on the security side. So all of a sudden, it's not just a matter of, let me go get a bigger uh, network connection. I now need to upgrade my firewall, my URL filter, my you know sandboxing and all this equipment because I need to take the traffic in, put it through the equipment and then send it all back out. And that's a big challenge as your workforce um, sort of topology and where they are changes. Y your business is very stagnant in that way. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, these trends demand focus on both WAN and security transformation, right? Yeah, so, so let me start and Bill, you can amplify. Um, you know, at, at Silver Peak, um, we recognize and more and more of our prospects and customers are recognizing that they need to transform their wide area networking architectures and they need to transform their security architectures. They don't necessarily have to do them both at the same time, but ultimately, to deliver great application performance for those apps in the cloud and deliver a great user experience, which ultimately translates to customer satisfaction and business productivity. Um, 
we need a new way of doing security and we need a new way of doing wide area networking. We call it WAN transformation and security transformation. Yeah, and if you if you think about it, the way we were talking about private networks and security, it was this hub and spoke model, right? So you have all these branches and everything else, all the traffic comes back to a hub and then it goes out. But if you look at all the industries out there, you know, as they've matured and become more efficient, they've all moved away from that to be much more of a mesh or point to point. Think of airlines for a perfect example. You know, you used to have these big 747s and A380s and everything that would carry these huge amounts of traffic, but it was uh, of passengers. But the problem was, is you had to get them to the hubs to do it. And these other carriers all started to say, I can have a much more efficient plane like the Dreamliner or the A320 and just go point to point. And it becomes very efficient versus trying to buy these big monolithic systems. So that's where this concept I think came up recently from Gartner called SASE. And the whole concept of SASE, which stands for Secure Access Service Edge, is a different way of designing a network. Rather than having these big hubs at the center, you push all the compute and services as close to the users as you can. So, you know, it's, it's not a matter of just saying, I'm gonna move my services to the cloud and do all my security in the cloud, because when you look at the way that most of the cloud services have been built. So take like Azure or AWS or GCP. They're built with just a few compute centers, but lots of what they'd call front doors or access points. So they might have 100 or 150 data centers, but that those data centers are really just access points onto their network and your traffic is backhauled to just a handful of these compute centers. So even moving security services up into a service like an AWS or an Azure, is not really satisfying this concept of being able to do it as close to the users as possible. You're just changing one hub and spoke network for a different hub and spoke network. So the question I think comes back together is how do you, how do you start to push the services out to the users so that when someone's in Japan, they're getting both, you know, their network performance, they can access their apps in Japan, they can go through security services in Japan, but all locally without having to backhaul or you know, move and buying all these different equipment, gear and kits and things like that. And a lot of that is a big part of what SASE is about. Take the services you would normally have in a data center and push them out to the edges closest to the users. But to do that, you have to get traffic there, right, Derek? I mean, you know, how do you get to those secure edges? Yeah, and, and, and that's where the, the, the synergy between software-defined wide area networking and a cloud delivered uh, security service like Cscaler <clears throat> uh, comes together, where this all comes together. Again, as we said at the very beginning of this podcast, we wanna get the user to access these applications as close as possible to keep that distance short, to keep the delay short, to keep the application performance high. So that means, yep, I wanna um, send that traffic to a security service that's as close as possible to that branch office location or their home or their their Starbucks. And so that's where the intelligence of a software defined wide area networking come or networking solution comes in is recognizing the app, but then it has to go beyond that. We have to understand, okay, I'm the branch location near San Jose, California. Where's the closest security enforcement point to me? And the closest security enforcement point in Chicago is certainly not San Jose. So the branch in Chicago has to be, that traffic has to be directed to an enforcement point near the branch in Chicago. 
And, you know, if you start to think of it, when you operate in that way, you start to get some efficiencies and consistencies. So now rather than having to have one type of firewall for a location, a different type of firewall or something for a branch and maybe a VPN or a different service for your users, now with a SASE architecture, you start to be able to get consistency because everything looks the same. Everything's just going to the same checkpoint, whether you're a user at home or you're using a branch or a user at HQ. And when you look at the SASE architecture, essentially what it says is you should try to minimize the number of vendors that you have, and you should try to buy, uh, purchase a consolidated service that does many of the functions together. And it naturally lends itself to not just say, you know, one vendor, two vendors, but you want to split it up logically into what are a lot of my security services and what are a lot of my transport or network services. And so it's really good to have a network agnostic um, partner to say, how do I get data somewhere? And then when the data lands, how do I do all the consistent functions of inspecting SSL traffic, doing firewalling, doing URL inspection, doing, you know, um, a data loss prevention and a lot of those services all combined. So you get the benefits of network and transport and some intelligence of where that traffic should go. And then it ends up at these security checkpoints with consistent enforcement and policy without having to worry about what I'm installing on a device or is it different for a, an iPhone versus a laptop versus something else. All yeah. of a sudden your network becomes intelligent routing and security just becomes a policy-based service no matter where you are. Gartner talks about this notion of a thin WAN branch edge. And what they mean by that is consolidating just the WAN edge network functions that you really need at the branch and moving the more heavyweight, um, previously hardware-centric functions um, you know, out into the cloud. So what do you still need at the branch? You need routing, because you still may need to access uh, locations or applications or devices or other companies that aren't necessarily part of your software-defined wired internet working fabric. You need SD-WAN, of course. Um, you need some basic firewall that can prevent incoming threats come from coming in. It's typically a stateful zone-based firewall. And, um, you know, there are still applications that are very, very latency-sensitive protocol, uh, like SIFs that are latency-sensitive. So many branches still require some amount of WAN optimization. But what I want to do is I want to get rid of those, you know, uh, very complex, rigid uh, routers that I have to manually program. I want to get rid of traditional firewalls and certainly next-generation firewalls at the branch. They're too expensive. There are too, uh, too much overhead to keep up to date. Uh, they're typically manually programmed. I don't want to have to have separate WAN optimization equipment if I still need WAN optimization. So what I'd like to do is collapse all that. And not only collapse you know, from a hardware footprint standpoint, but also I want to centrally manage those functions and get operational efficiencies. I don't want to touch every device. And that's a key tenet of SD-WAN is they tend to be centrally orchestrated so I can program the QoS policies, I can program um, the, the priorities for you know, voice traffic higher than file transfer traffic higher than guest Wi-Fi. I do that centrally, I do it once and I push it out to all the uh, sites. I also do the same thing for security policies, how I want different applications um, secured and how I want that enforcement to take place. And we're gonna talk a little bit before we end this podcast about kind of the integrations that we've done with Zscaler. Bill, why don't you talk a little bit about the heavy cloud side of the SASE model. Yeah, I mean, if you think about, we're talking about the hardware that you would normally have to have at a branch and 
you know, the challenge is, is if you try to put hardware or something in a branch to handle your traffic, you have to do SSL inspection to start. And the problem is 85% of traffic is SSL. So just the horsepower to take that traffic, break it apart, inspect it and do it is the whole reason why we used to backhaul in the first place. It was just too expensive to put all those devices into a branch um, and especially at someone's home. So you just ended up where you had this less and less uh, secure uh, set of users, the further and further they got away from HQ. And that's not really how you want to run your business because the people who are furthest from your HQ are the ones who are probably most at risk for attack or threats, et cetera. And so when you say, I need to be able to do all those services and it has to be equal, you just can't afford to do it. And honestly, you know, when you have different types of devices at a branch, the most expensive thing is getting a human to go to that branch when something goes wrong. And the more kit or more gear you have at these locations, you know, you might buy uh, an inexpensive device for, you know, a couple thousand dollars for a branch, but it's going to cost you that in labor to send a person there physically once to troubleshoot it or do it or set it up. And so that's where, you know, viewing your branch as, hey, we do business. And then when traffic leaves, we make sure the traffic is secure and doing the right thing. And that way you just, you're just changing where you do that security and policy control from trying to physically do it at the branch to doing it in the cloud before it goes and exits anywhere else. Um, you know, so in this case, these cloud services like a Zscaler are just your, your default route. They're your first hop into the internet. And no matter where you come from, you can treat it all the same. Because even from a user perspective, the way it's worked in the past is I go to a branch and they might have like a, a UTM or some other lighter weight, you know, firewall service. And, you know, they go to the branch and all of a sudden, you know, they can't do things that they used to be able to do at HQ. Maybe it's a, a webinar or something that the CEO is broadcasting. And for whatever reason, they're not allowed to access that because the device can't handle it at their branch. So, you know, those people that are remote from HQ feel like second class citizens. And honestly, the other solutions like uh, sandboxing, it's too expensive to put into a branch. So you either skip it or you don't do it at all. But when you move it into a SASE environment where, you know, just one network hop away in the internet, so basically at the core of the internet exchanges, I can go and hit a service that will clean and scrub and do policy on all my data before it goes anywhere else. And that's really what you have to look for. And it's a subtle thing because a lot of vendors will say, oh, I'm in the cloud, but what does that cloud mean? Are you backhauling to a compute center or are you actually handling that traffic right at my nearest first hop before it goes off to the, the other service? And you know, that's where it's, I think everyone right now, it's interesting. I think almost every vendors jumped on the bandwagon of cloud and sassy and be like, wait a minute, that's not what you do. You're, you're a firewall vendor or something, or you're a device or an appliance vendor. How are you jumping on this bandwagon? And I think a lot of people are trying to change the meaning of what it is. And you got to really first understand, okay, yes, I like the concept of sassy, but now who's actually implementing it the best or who looks closest to it? You know, what, what sassy seems to require is, you know, really rich, robust, wide area networking technology. And we haven't talked about the, you know, increasing the reliability of using the internet yet. We've talked a lot about the security of it, but it requires 
you know, a lot of uh, sophisticated features and capabilities and understanding of how wide area networks work and how WAN transport services work. Uh, wide area networking is very different from local area networking and from data center networking. There's lots of other considerations you need to account for to overcome the effects of packet loss that can happen when internet connections become congested or latency when things get rerouted or if an internet connection browns out to the point where the loss or the latency or the jitter can't accommodate a real-time app, how do you fail over quickly? So that WAN stuff is hard and security stuff is hard and there are, you know, billion dollar, multi-billion dollar companies that, you know, invest all their R&D in security and there's big companies that invest all their R&D in WAN. I, I think it would be really, really difficult to find one company that's going to do it all. There are some companies out there that are trying to do it. Um, but I know for Silver Peak, our position is, and I, we said it earlier in the podcast, you know, best of breed networking, best of breed security. You need the agility to very quickly um, adopt innovation as new types of security things need to happen to uh, address IoT or new types of threat vectors that emerge. And so, um, that's, that's our position. And uh, we haven't yet talked about kind of the integration between uh, Silver Peak SD-WAN and the Zscaler um, cloud um, delivered security um, service offering. Yeah, and I think, you know, what you described, you want to have a really robust network. So you need to make sure that packets get where they're meant to go. And they're doing that in a very high quality manner, no matter what type of a network they're transporting on. And then on top of that, if you think about it, layer seven, I then want to make sure that everything is secure with the right policies. And at the end of the day, you want to secure people based on their users and profiles and business context, not necessarily just what port or protocol they're on. And I think those are the two key tenants of SD-WAN that we'll talk about in our next session is, great, I get it. I want to have a really agile, wide area networking capability to steer traffic. And then I want a consistent cloud-based service to handle all the traffic going to or from any location, any device or any person. Now, how do we do it? And I think that's the next session. That's exactly right. And that's a great teaser because uh, uh, doing this manually, you can do it manually, but it's very difficult. The chances of fat fingering a command on the keyboard is pretty high. And so uh, what we'll do in the next podcast is we will talk about how Zscaler and Silverpeak and the integration we've done, we've automated all that process to uh, make sure that we're delivering consistent policy of enforcement across the entire enterprises, making changes easy, while also delivering operational efficiencies. You know, you described exactly a conversation I have with my wife. Anytime she wants to do something on the house, I tell her, hey, no problem, I can do that myself. It's not that hard, it's not that difficult. And usually a few weeks later when I'm trying to do it all myself and I'm you know, doing it as a part-time job, it never turns out and I end up spending twice as much to go hire someone. So yeah, I think uh, even in our personal lives, especially with COVID and all this extra time at home, I think we're all starting to experience it. Yeah, I, same thing with my wife. She, you know, I tell her, yeah, I can absolutely take care of that plumbing problem and you don't have to remind me every six months. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much, Bill and, and Derek. This was extremely insightful. And in our next episode, we'll talk about how you can make it easy to implement a SASE architecture with Zscaler and Silverpeak and address how organizations can best embrace WAN transformation 
to provide cloud-delivered security services to enable secure local internet breakouts. Thank you again, Bill and Eric. Thank you. Thank you.